Mason, the co-host of the Lunch Break Podcast. I have a special guest, uh, Shannon Sanford. She's from the Rochester, New York area, my hometown. Praise. And she's in the career coaching industry. How are you doing today, Shannon? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Awesome. You know, one of the things you and I have in common is that we're both co-hosts. And... um, when I was looking at your experience um, with organizing events and stuff, tell us a little about that. Tell us a little bit about your experience with um, co-hosting. Sure. So prior to, um, I currently live in Rochester, and as you mentioned, I'm a Rochester native as well. I did move around a little bit for work, and one of the things that I struggled with a little bit early on and I was committed to really just branching out and being my pushing that extroverted self of me that I'm I'm typically an introvert. So one of the things I really wanted to focus on and connect with people is just meeting other people in different areas. So I lived in a couple different states where I moved and knew absolutely no one. So I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina for just under three years. And there I got involved with a couple different groups and um, I'll give a shout out to the meetup app, which I think is a great, great opportunity for people to come together in different interests. So whether that might be golfing or a book club or just a social event, grabbing a beer, um, it, it gives people an opportunity to get together with similar interests that you wouldn't necessarily not have met in the day to day world. So I was, um, I was a co-host for a, you could call it 20s and 30s somethings. I think that was our exact name, 30s <laughs> somethings um, in Charlotte. So I, along with a couple other members, were co-hosts for different events and really just collecting, again, like-minded people for different interests. So we would go and um, do kind of different things. And it was great exposure for me to, especially living in Charlotte, there's such diversity. So I just loved meeting new people and hearing their stories, hearing their backgrounds, what brought them to Charlotte um, and really connect up in that way. Yeah. You know, that's pretty awesome. Like you moved to another city and you tried something new. Now, a lot of people, when they move to another city, like the last thing they want to do is like, be a co-host of, you know, things and planning things. So what was your thought process? Like, okay, you live in, like, A, like, was it like a, you, how long did you live in Charlotte? Just under three years. Okay, three years. And you did that for over two and a half years. So you must have start being a host, co-host right away. It was soon. So week two, I joined the meetup groups. Um, (laughs) It was very early on and all of my friends back home were like, you have friends so fast. How is that possible? Um, And, you know, I I thank meetup and I thank the opportunity and I thank just my resilience to just um, going out there and meeting new people right away instead of it could be very easy. So that's, that's kind of my thought process was it was, it would be very easy for me to, 
you know, I have my new job to kind of just focus on that and focus on my career and push social, the social side of it away or postpone that. For me, it was kind of a journey together. So you've got a new career. You should really have a new uh, personal life along with that because it would be so easy to kind of fall into this work trap. And because I didn't know anyone, I didn't have family there. I wanted to have that social piece really join inside along with my new life that I was starting. But that's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing because most people, especially you said you consider yourself an introvert. I do. Because doing what you did is, was very extroverted. Like, that's something an yes. extrovert would do. Move to a new city and then host social events. Because, like, well, here in Rochester, I um, I co-hosted, it was called LinkedIn Local. I did it for, like, a year. Okay. Um, that was pretty fun. That was pretty fun. I actually miss in-person events. Like, you know, locally, like, Lilac Festival, and, like, we didn't have that this um, this year. And I'm like, man, you know, the jazz festival, the park festival, it's like all these festivals. I miss those things. Um, Absolutely. I'm pretty sure sure you miss them too. I do. And I think as as when I talk to my friends and even just acquaintances around Rochester and people um, in the community, it brings us together. And that's something that we all look forward to. And particularly in the summer and I would say even into fall months, no, we really cherish our weather because we hold on to it so tightly. You know, unfortunately, snow is going to is going to be here in you know like a month or two. Right. But, <laughs> we, <laughs> but we hold on to that summer and fall. They're just the I would say the weather is amazing here in upstate New York um, in those times, and to take advantage of the festivals and get together um, with small businesses and community leaders and support one another through some of those festivals as well. So it's not just you know, necessarily social, but it's also networking too. So kind of getting, getting that all together involved um, is so important for our community. So yeah, it's definitely tough to not see those continuing to happen or just to see them virtually. It takes on a different feel. Yeah. Yeah. Community is definitely important, whether it's virtual or in person. And like, it's like when I moved to, it's not far away um, for listeners. I live, I moved to Buffalo, New York. And uh, I learned things about myself when I moved to Buffalo. Like, I, I think I joined the Lancaster Chamber of Commerce and I volunteered helping with different social things. So is there something you learned about yourself when you moved to Charlotte or something you learned about people while you were there or just a takeaway? Like, when you moved to Charlotte, whether it's through hosting events or while you were there, is there something you learned about yourself, about people, or just life in general? Oh, absolutely. There's so much that I learned. Um, I'll narrow it down to two things. <laughs> so on a, on a personal level, I learned growth and independence. Um, so I grew up in a small town south of Rochester, and I took a leap. Um, I actually moved out to Iowa prior to living in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I lived there for two years. And that was really... I would say between those two moves, um, two different kind of cross-country moves, I learned significant personal growth and independence that um, really can only be learned through experiences. And so I really strongly encourage any listener out there 
who is thinking of making a move, you know, maybe it's maybe it's an hour away from your town, maybe it's on the same state, maybe it's to a different country, I don't know. Um, but if it's on your heart and it's on your mind, um, it's only experiences can be had from in, in significant growth. So I would say on a personal level, that was huge for me. Um, aside from that, I learned there, there's so much in this world and Again, living in, coming from a small town, um, moving to such a larger city gave me that understanding of complexity of a growing city with so many different diversities, backgrounds, cultures, and understanding that there's so much out there to learn and to continue growing. So I guess that does kind of evolve back into the personal world as well, but um, it does kind of tailor into specifically Charlotte, what I learned as well. Yeah. That's awesome that you, you grew and became independent when you moved. Um, Cause I know when I moved to Buffalo, I learned, I definitely became far more independent because I don't, I didn't have any family mm-hmm. um, in Buffalo. Now, obviously I could drive back home, you know, hour or less, but um, I definitely learned that. Another, the biggest two for me, since you used two, I'm gonna use the same number you use. I think for me, I learned home is in my heart. It's not necessarily a location, even though Rochester is my hometown. Um, Buffalo has also become part of who I am, just like Rochester yeah, has become part of who I am. If I moved to, let's just say I moved to Delaware and I was there for three years, that had become part of who I am. So then like all these places just feel like home because I live at those places. So um, that's one thing. And the second thing I would say is probably, I don't know if I can think of a second thing, but the most, the biggest takeaway was for me was home is in my heart. Um, I think too, it's like, building relationships, the importance of building relationships, because the fact that you, when you moved to Charlotte and you was part of a social networking group that probably added to your experience. So for me, like when I was in Buffalo, I tried so many different foods and restaurants. I tried, you know, uh, different volunteer experiences. Um, there's even a couple business endeavors I tried while I was out there. So I was very open-minded and, by trying those new things, I grew. But I wouldn't have did those things if, if it wasn't for the people I met. And so, right. like, if someone moves to a new city, it, it could be easy, like, oh, I don't know nobody, and, you know, you get in your little comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But that's the time to, to branch out. Exactly. So that's what that's exactly what I, was, what I was saying before. It would be so easy to kind of stay on that one journey and stay on that one path and almost – breed that comfortability, right? So you're not necessarily stretching yourself on the social side, but you could be stretching yourself in a new career or, you know, a new town that you're living in. Um, But from a social perspective, I think it's important to also stretch that uh, uncomfortability. Definitely. Speaking of journey, um, how did you get into um, being a career strategist? because I don't think I don't think while you were in um, I think once you moved back to Rochester, 
you explored that. So how did you get into the, the being a career strategist? Great question. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so, okay. So I'll, I'll kind of go a background of, of my career and okay. where, where it took me to where I am today. Uh, when I was in high school, I struggled with knowing what is out there, knowing what opportunities are available, knowing what different career opportunities uh, there might be for, for someone like me. And, um, you know, I checked the guidance counselor's office, I would Google some things, and I just felt like there wasn't really a strong place to go or someone to talk to. Um, so I did struggle a little bit. Thought about my interests and, and what I was passionate in, but I mean, you're 18, like, you don't really know. So I kind of came together. I knew I loved math. That was my, my favorite course in school. Um, I loved Same. algebra. <laughs> that was people. my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. You either hate math or you love it. And, um, so I loved it and loved learning new things. I love connections. I love Excel and I also loved fashion. And so I kind of put those two things together and came with fashion merchandising. So essentially my dream job was going to be a buyer and that's where I went to school. So I went to school. Um, I'll give a shout out to uh, SUNY Oneonta was my freshman year. And then I did transfer to Casnovia, which is where I graduated from. Um, absolutely love that little small town feel of college. So graduated from there with a degree in business management and a specialization in fashion merchandising. Uh, from there, I worked retail and saw the store management side and worked my way up to corporate fairly quickly and had my first buyer job. So from there, so now I'm, I'm here in, uh, in Iowa, which is about, so where I was, was about two hours outside Chicago. And I was working for this department store, traveling, was going to New York City, trade shows, meeting with suppliers. And my job was fun. It was great. I liked it. But there were several, so I was there for two years, there were several moments and points in time when I had this feeling of there's more. I had this feeling of this isn't it. I had this feeling of you're supposed to be doing something else. And I struggled with that because it was a fun job. It was something that was using my interests, um, but it wasn't, I don't think it hit my core value points, which is something I'll talk about in a little bit with my career strategy. So from there, I decided maybe it's the location. I don't know, maybe it's the job, but let's look for other opportunities. And so from there, I moved to Charlotte, which we had talked about. Worked for a large-scale department store there. Learned so much. Super grateful for that opportunity. Um, but again, at a certain point, that resurgence feeling of this isn't it. You should be doing something else. You need to be helping people. I was kind of listening to that gut feeling. And I was frustrated. So here at this point, I started talking to my managers about being in an HR space because I just knew that I loved training and I loved talking to people and I loved helping people. So from there, um, I, I got a lot of feedback, which I don't know if any of our listeners can relate to or if you can relate to this at all, but I got a lot of feedback that was, but you're good at what you do. Why would you want to do anything else? And that has always stuck with me. Um, and I do want to share that with people that I, that I work with because you can be great at something, but it doesn't fulfill your passion and or it may not fulfill your core values. And I think that's the time when you need to look and reevaluate what your career is or what your job is. And if it's not hitting some of those points, maybe, the, maybe it's a time to look elsewhere. 
So anyways, I was getting those resurgence feelings and I had an idea. So I'm still living in Charlotte and I had this idea of why isn't there more support and or an organization um, out there that can help young people understand what opportunities are that also focuses on strengths, values, um, and, and other things as well to kind of comprehensively look at career options. In combination with that, I also was under, was questioning, why don't we talk to experts? Like, hey, if we're in college or we're in high school, why don't we just talk to some experts that are out in that field that have that job title that we're thinking about and really get some insights as to what do you like about your job? What do you not? What type of degree did you have to have? What it, you know, what's changed in the past five years? Just all these different questions that you may have before you really just kind of dive into it and, um, you know, now that you've got student loans and different expenses, et cetera. So right. it was an idea that I had had several, several years ago. Fast forward, I, I knew personally and professionally um, that I, I wanted to grow and I wanted to, to do something else. So I, Rochester's always been in my heart. It's always been home. So I did move back here, um, moved back to Rochester now about two years ago and really was starting to have these conversations kind of, or these thoughts, I would say, and conversations through networking groups. So I would go, this is pre-COVID, so I was going to networking groups in person and um, just having conversations with parents, with students, with people in the community saying, hey, this is an idea. What are your thoughts? Um, and it seemed to be that there was a huge white space in, in the community. And it seemed to be that um, I love our education system and I will not talk ill on it. I think that right now, particularly, they're so focused and have so much on their plates and so much pressure to get students graduated, to get students their education that they need, that they don't have necessarily have the time and or resources to focus on the one-to-one -one, uh, personal development of each student. Right. And some schools may, that's great. Um, but I think that in so many, in so many cases, that's, that's not the opportunity that the student has. So last fall, I decided, um, I was going to hit the ground running 2020 and it was going to be my year. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, you know, some things happened, but anyway, so I did, um, I'm super passionate about wanting to help people. So I started a career coaching program that really focuses on a couple of main things. So one, your core values. What is most important to you as a person? That may be, I need recognitions and rewards. That may be, I need diversity in the workplace. That may be, um, you know, like I need X, Y, and Z. Then we, we look, there's, you know, a whole list of about 40 different core values you can have. Then we look over and we say, okay, what's your personality type? Are you more of an introvert? Are you more extrovert? How do you learn best? Um, do you like communicating with other people? Do you like being in more of a group setting? Do you like working individually? And understanding there's a couple different personality tests you can go through, but understanding how you learn best and how you serve best is going to help you in what sort of career setting that you can have as well. And then another thing is, of course, your, your um, unique talents, right? So we were talking about math. Um, are you a math person? Are you not? Are you more of a creative person? Are you not um, kind of looking at, at those and how that can tailor into a career as well? And then in combination, of course, you've got to be interested in it. So there's a lot of different things you can look at, but I personally feel that if you bring all of those to light, um, and, and some of this may not be directly 
in the career that you choose, but I do believe that in your life in totality, so maybe you volunteer and that's where some of your core values kind of hit in, but in totality, you should feel happy, right? And you should embrace and be satisfied and, um, and really be joyful about your career and then your outside personal life as well. Yeah. You know, this is how I met you. I remember, you know, I was a community manager and you were looking for workspace. And uh, I remember you telling me about your program. And I was like, you kept talking about it. And I'm like, and I kept asking you questions and I kept, and I'm like, okay. I was like, this is something I want to do. He's like, you sure? I'm like, you, 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 you're like, do you want to think about it? I'm like, no, 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 no. Cause I'm very decisive. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I want to go through your program. And a lot of things you're talking about, um, we, we went through and those things have helped me to see, because it's like those things I never learned in high school. I never went to college or anything, but, um, I, like your, your program, your career exploration program, almost every person needs to go through that. Like if they're not trying to be an entrepreneur, they need to go through your program. And even entrepreneurs probably should go through your program just because they'll see things about themselves. They'll learn things about themselves. And also it'll give them a perspective of their employees as well. So there's a lot of versatility. There's a lot of versatility in your program because it's, it's versatile. Like a lot of career, like some people are, and that's why like, I consider you more of a career advisor than a career coach, but a lot of career coaches might focus only on resume cover letter, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that interview. Like a lot of times when people think of a career coach, they think of resume cover letter interview. Um, but right. with you, it's, it's bigger than that. It's more broad. It's more big picture. And it's more about values and what career matches your, all those things. So um, that's why I like, that's why I consider you more of a career advisor, but technically it's still a career coach. But, um, and then I like how you said what you learn best and where you serve best. What did you say? Um, yeah. So where, how you learn best and how you, how you learn best. Okay. That's easy. Okay. Mm-hmm. How you learn best. So elaborate on that because that, that's a powerful statement. That's, you know, Shannon Sanford, 2020, that's a quote <laughs> that needs to be published. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, so to me, what that means is I know I'm a visual learner not everyone's a visual learner, right? And what, what sort of jobs are you going to learn that way? Um, and then serving. So I believe a huge part of what you do on a day-to-day basis, you should be serving others and be giving back and always be helping, whether that's the community or whether that's an email that you received and you're responding to, how can you best serve others? Um, and, I just think that that's so important to kind of have in the back of our minds. I worked for um, a company when I, when I was working my, re- my retail days, and they had this 
notion and this idea and their training was so ingrained and embedded in the customer's always right, which, yeah, we've, we've all heard that statement, but, but no, really, what can you do? Like, what can I do to help you? Can I get you a glass of water? Like, I mean, no, no store does that. Right. And so truly, how can you help other people? And that will bring joy and bring happiness to you as well. And I cannot stress that enough because I've worked in a negative toxic environment and I've also worked in a very positive environment and those differences are incredibly dramatic and are incredibly different. I didn't mean to say dramatic, incredibly different. And the atmosphere in which I was surrounded by positivity, I became more of a positive person. I wanted to go into work and, um, you know, it may be cliche, but it is, it's so true that positivity just breeds other positivity and serving others, I believe kind of encompasses that as well. Yeah, because one of the things I learned from your program about myself on how I learn best, I'm like, it's funny because throughout my entire life, I've always disliked reading. Like, that's just not my thing. But there's something about when it comes to professional settings where I, I prefer, I learn by visual, but I also learn by numbers, process, you know, um, that's kind of my, my style. So like charts and graphics and numbers and KPI and stuff like that. And then where I serve best, I don't know, number one, I'm a talker, which is probably why I'm a co-host of a podcast. And then I love people. Like I need human interaction. Like it would be hard for me to be an accountant and have right. no interaction with people. Um, and then, you know, whether it's I'm on camera or um, something with media or broadcasting or, you know, things of that nature. I think one of the things that, you know, we explored was like public relations. Mm -hmm. But when I was 18 years old, I, I didn't know anything about public relations. You exactly. Know? I thought that, I thought that, well, my parents wanted me to be a doctor, lawyer, or own a business. But I never thought of PR until I'm 27 now. Like, this is the first time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I would, PR is something I would do. Um, but if I knew the different options or if I knew the career, if I went through your program at 18, I would probably had a clear road of what I wanted to do because um, at 18, I just couldn't make a decision on what I wanted to do as far as school. I'm like, I don't want to invest. Yeah time and money and I don't know what path I want to take, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. That's what um, I learned. And I'll say to that too, so many, it's just so common, right? So you you only know what you're exposed to. So if you're watching TV and you say, oh, I see a firefighter, I see a policeman, there's a teacher, um, you know, guy driving a bus or school, whatever it might be, if that's what your exposure is, that's all that you know that there are there are opportunities, um, and I think just bringing to light and shedding some opportunities, shedding some light on some opportunities for those students that you know have limited exposure, or even if their exposure is more broad, just giving them some opportunities to look in and see what may be a good fit for them. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so here's the here's the moment. 
uh, ask every guest this question. Um, business is personal. That's been the theme for season four. Um, you know, because it's, it's the opposite of, some people say it's just business. Um, but I'm like, no, nah, I don't agree with that. I feel business is personal. So when you hear business is personal, what does that mean to you? Great question, first of all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say what it means to me is how how is your company and how is your business supporting your employees? How are they responding to what's happening in your community? How are they responding to the pandemic, for example? Or maybe there's something internally in your, in your company. How are they responding and how are they showing that they care about their employees? So to your point, yes, business is not just business. It is absolutely personal. In order to keep your employees, you kind of have to keep that um, repertoire and, and keep that, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the word right now, but the the company attitude there's a word for it anyways um for me I'll, sh I'll share a little bit of my experiences so when i was working at a very large uh corporate company and there were many times i felt i was just a number and we went through actually several restructurings and i felt at any day when i was walking in the building that my day could be up that i could just be cut on a drop of a dime. And that was incredibly frustrating. And to me, that was personal. To me, I didn't feel valued um, several times. So I think companies and businesses really need to step back and look at how they're responding, right? So in a restructuring event or in a global pandemic, how are you responding and how is your associate, how are your employees taking that in that information? So are you sending out a flyer um, or are you having a phone call? Are you getting face-to-face -face with people? Granted, again, it's COVID. So maybe face-to-face -face is, is a virtual call with video. Um, but how are you caring about your employees to keep that sense of value and to keep that sense of support so that they want to continue working for that company. So I guess that that's, that's what I would have to say. Um, there is no just business. I think if business are, if businesses are focusing on purely monetary decisions, then they're really going to suffer. Um, I think that now, particularly in 2020, more than ever, there's been several instances that companies can show their empathy and companies can show their support and what they can do for their employees, which I think is, is incredibly important. Yeah. I think that's key. The things you mentioned, how business is personal by how do you treat your employees? I think that's a very important question because when someone decides to work at a company, they, they want to be treated well. They want support. They want um, to feel part of a, professional family, if you will, a team, um, you know, and I've, I've had my experiences of working for small companies, working for large corporations. Um, one of the things I've noticed, and this is just my personal perception is I don't know how much compliance and laws come into play of why, how large corporations function. 
Um, so that's a interesting, um, interesting thought there. And, but in most cases, it's like, okay, who's the CEO and what is the CEO's views and what does he or she or them, because sometimes it's a multiple, sometimes it's co-founders, what do they want? And then when the company gets so big and you got a lot of different managers and so-and-so is reporting to so-and-so, communication and, and strategy and all those things stays in place. And what if there's a high performer that's a manager or leader, but the high performer might not be so beneficial for employees under him or her? So there's so many different things that I've seen take place in large corporations. I'm not saying one is better than the other, um, but there are different things that I've personally seen with that. But I do think, um, I think that's why I think there's a movement called Disrupt HR. And that's the whole function is all, it's all about how do CEO treat employees. And I think that's a very important aspect of business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think respect is a huge part of that as well. Um, you know, how, how you show and how you react to different situations will gain you that respect from your prospective employees. And um, yeah, I think it's incredibly important regardless of your position or your title within the company, just to, to have respect and to be respected as well. Yeah. Is there like, is there a boss that stands out where you're like, you know, this was my best working experience? Um, I do. I do have one. Um, yeah. And I think, again, empathy. So that, that person was very empathetic and, and understanding, but also we got the job done. Um, so we had weekly meetings and we had great communication, uh, but there was also that, that layer of respect there as well that, um, you know, we both knew that each other had our back, had each other's backs. And so, yes. Yeah. I would, I would uh, say ditto to that. I can say publicly, there's two, there's two experiences I'll share. I've never said this publicly. I'll try not to cry. Um, so Stephanie Armstrong, um, she was the CEO of Beaky Marketing. That was that she's the most empathetic yet results-based um, CEO that I've ever worked for. Um, it was very fun. The atmosphere was very fun. It felt, I didn't feel like I was talking to my boss. I felt like, yes, there's expectations, of course, but I also felt like we talked about more than just work and yeah. we talked about life. There was, you know, versatility in conversations, but then also we got things done and we, my ideas, my perspective was valued. 
And I always felt like no matter what it was, I can go and talk to her about it. Um, and I reported to her directly, which I feel sometimes, you know, some CEOs like, you know, they don't want, they don't have that open communication. Like, oh, go to, you know, talk to someone, talk to the HR people. Right. But the fact that there was that open dialogue, I felt that was key. And then I guess the best manager I ever worked with, her name is Kathy Bills. Oh my God. She like, um, she just was very, uh, very empathetic, caring, but also very direct. Like what she expected, I knew because she verbalized it. She's like, this is top priority, A, B, C. But then she wasn't serious all the time or, you know, and we, you know, we could joke or this or that. So I definitely think empathy is probably the core of like, when you're an employee and you're reporting to a CEO, you're reporting to a manager, director, whoever it is, empathy makes it, I guess worth it. It, it. it just adds a component to where you feel more inclined to want to work harder. And it just adds a different dynamic to work because then it becomes a purpose. It becomes more than just a job. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. For sure. Well, Shannon, thank you so much um, for being on today. Um, at the end of every episode, I usually share some of the takeaways. One of the takeaways is when you move, you grow. If you choose to grow, you know, because you made a choice to move to North Carolina, branch out. Um, well, with COVID, I don't know how many people are moving. I know, I know somebody that moved from Rochester to Syracuse, but um, when you try new things, you can grow. Um, hopefully I don't say this incorrectly, how you learn the best and where you serve the best. That plays a huge component on our careers. So when we figure out um, how we learn and how we serve, that can add. And then when it comes to business as personal, how do you treat your employees? You know, do you treat them with empathy, especially with COVID going on? Um, empathy right now is, uh, yeah. is very key. So Shannon, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Lunch and Drink Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories on their lunch breaks. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating, share on social media, and make sure you come back for more episodes on Season 4 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where business is personal.